Woody Womack and Mike Farrell here wrapping up an eventful week two of college football. Mike, the Oregon Ducks go on the road, 14 and a half point underdogs, and really controlled the game essentially from start to finish. Uh, it seemed like they had to lead the entire time. How impressive of a victory was that for the Ducks? Yeah, they looked like the better team. Um, Ohio State has a lot of issues. If I have to list Ohio State's issues, uh, I'm, I'm starting defensively. They can't stop the run. Linebackers aren't as athletic as we're used to. Uh, and the offensive line just got bullied. But this game was one in the trenches. I mean, the defensive line for Oregon um, dominated the Ohio State offensive line, which is supposed to be very good and a strength of their team. Um, and then the Oregon offensive line, which is, you know, Mario Cristobal wanted to build that as an SEC-type power offensive line. They just did what they wanted to against Ohio State's defensive line. So, you know, Anthony Brown, very efficient, very good leader. C.J. Verdell, uh, great game. But, you know, as much as you talk about the positives for Oregon, everybody wants to talk about the negatives for Ohio State and Kerry Coombs must be fired and all this other stuff. Um you lost to a good football team. Yeah, so do you consider Oregon now? I mean, their schedule does set up pretty nicely. It's not like they have a ton of, uh, you know, big-time opponents. They obviously have some some rivalries there. But a lot of people are saying they could still lose a game and make the playoff. Do you see that? Do you see the road there for them to make the playoff? Are they a front-runner now? Uh, I think they'd have to be a front-runner. But one loss in the Pac-12 can certainly give everybody an excuse to put two from the SEC in. Um you know, right now, the only two teams I see as locks for the playoff are, are Alabama and Oklahoma, you know, based on what I've seen of the Big 12. Pac-12 is bad, um, you know, but that UCLA matchup on October 23rd, that's going to be a good one. And I think you'll see a, a rematch in, in the Pac-12 title game. So if Oregon can run the table, they're in. If they have a bad loss, they stub their toe like they did last year. Uh, obviously they'll find some way to keep them out, but they're, they're in good shape right now with that Ohio state win. That's a quality win. You, uh, you mentioned real quick, the, the trenches. I mean, when we've seen Oregon on the national stage in the past, especially during the chip Kelly era, that was where they lacked. I mean, they, they lost, uh, um, Auburn in the national championship game, they got pushed around when they lost to Ohio state in the national championship game. They got pushed around when they played teams like LSU, uh, a few different times during that, that successful run they had, they got pushed around. Cristobal's kind of stocked the, the cabinet here with huge guys, and they were missing three, four, five guys on their defense, and it seemed like they just had more depth and more guys ready to come in and play. Yeah, it's fun to see because that's what he wanted to do. I mean, when he took the job or when can't when he campaigned for the job, um, you know, he, he wanted to make it, you know, an SEC type of team in the Pac-12. He didn't think teams would be able to hold up to that. Um, you know, so he went out and recruited, you know, big physical linebackers and fast edge rushers. But the offensive line, is that's his forte. I mean, that's where he made his mark. Um, and, and he recruited extremely well at Alabama, of course. And now he's taking it there. It's an experienced offensive line, but they're just nasty. They, they get after you. Um, you know, and and the defensive line for Ohio state doesn't impress me. I mean, they don't have great edge rushers. You know, those guys, Zach Harrison, Ty, Tyreek, they're supposed to be great players by now. They're not. Haskell Garrett is a little bit overrated when it comes to stopping the run. Um, Vincent's not good. Sorry, but what about Antoine Jackson? 
Antoine Jackson's still around. <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I saw him in the game. I was like, what What year is he? Is he a seventh-year senior? I think he was a 2015 player. I'm pretty sure, yeah. And I think he might be the only one left. Um, but it's just not a good defensive line. But, you know, you have to point to the strength of this Oregon football team. And, and it's, you know, a quarterback who's been through a lot, who has a lot of experience as a starter. They've got, um, you know, uh, speed and and a lot of receiving ability out of the backfield. The wide receivers are solid, uh, but the offensive line is just nasty. And, and you know, the Pac-12 is not going to be able to stand up to that, except for UCLA. I mean, UCLA has a pretty stout offensive line as well, and that's why that matchup is going to be very interesting to see. But right now, um, the, the, the Pac-12 has to hope one of these two teams wins out and just goes undefeated because, like I said, they will find an excuse – to keep a Pac-12 team out of the playoff if they can. Yeah, I think the way that it, they get through is if UCLA and Oregon, you know, one of them beats the other one, and then one, and then it switches in the Pac-12 championship game, and they have maybe a couple of eleven and one uh, type teams. But I think that's that's kind of the best way. It's nice to be this early in the season and not have everyone decide that they're eliminated from the playoff yet, though. So they can at least uh, have that. One team that is eliminated from the playoff in perpetuity at Florida State, they lose to Jacksonville State. Usually, Mike, I'm always watching these types of games, but I saw it was 17-7, to 7 and I was like, nah, I'm not even going to put it on in the fourth quarter. Next thing you know, it's blowing up on Twitter. They lose in really shocking fashion on the one of the slowest developing Hail Mary type plays you'll ever see. How bad is it? This is this rock bottom? Is this the new rock bottom? As we keep we keep saying that for for them and Tennessee and Nebraska and I, I guess it's new rock bottom. Um, you know, after all the momentum they had last week with the crowd and and how tough they played Notre Dame and you know everybody saying that they're headed in the right direction, including myself saying that they're playing with passion and all this to come out and just lay an egg like this uh, and to lose in that fashion, it it destroys all that recruiting momentum. It destroys all that, um, you know, excitement around the, the overtime Notre Dame game. It's just, it's, it's almost one step forward, three steps back for Florida state. And, you know, they have a really good recruiting class. It's, it's, it's not going to stay together. It's just not, you can't lose games like this and keep elite recruits wanting to come to your program. You can lose to Notre Dame in overtime, you cannot lose to Jacksonville State on a not even a Hail Mary. I mean, just a long pass, you know, where he just juked one guy and the other guy looked completely lost and clueless. And I mean, there's just you can't lose that way. It just should never happen. Uh, Hail Mary, I would think, would be better because that's just like, you know, jump that's ball, yeah. make a play. But this was just simply embarrassing. It was really weird, like. And this is where you have to put it on the coaches. The, clearly, the players were confused and didn't know what they were supposed to do. Like it, it, and it was like, oh, there was six seconds left. They had a timeout. I think what they thought was, I think Norvell and company thought, hey, look, play everything underneath, let them catch it, and and hopefully they go down and let them run a little bit, and the clock ends and the game's over. I don't think they were planning for them to throw it that far down the field. Now. I saw that the defensive coordinator was taking all questions today. Oh, what a stand-up guy. He's answering every question he's asked about the play. 
what a hero. I mean, can we give him a Congressional Medal of Honor for asking, answering questions at a press conference? Give me a break. That, it was bad. I mean, there's no excuses. And I, I don't think this will necessarily cost them recruits per se, but how many games are they going to win? Three? Like, realistically. Yeah, and I do think it will cost them recruits, honestly. Um, you know, I don't care how well you're coached. You just have natural instincts in, in football as a defensive back. And, you know, Jarvis Brownlee Jr., I mean, compared to defensive backs I've seen from Florida State over the years, you know, this is a kid who didn't look like he belonged on the field and out there at the, on the roster at that time. I mean, he was he was completely lost in coverage. Um, he he looked slow, and this is against Jacksonville State. So, if if I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, they were beaten by a couple of ACC castoffs, guys who couldn't make it in the ACC. Yeah, who, um, who caught the pass? I forget. Oh man, he's from uh, wasn't he from Wake? What was it? Because uh, the quarterback, you... obviously, Zara Cooper, we know Cooper's from uh, Clemson. I know? think the other, he might have been from Duke, I thought. Uh, uh, yeah, I've never heard of him. I mean, Damon Phil, Philway Johnson. Phil, yeah. Phil yeah. Yeah, Johnson. Yeah, he's from the Carolinas, I remember him. Okay, so anyhow, you know, a guy who could never have a chance to start at Clemson and a guy who could never have a chance to start at Duke or, or wherever, Wake Forest, you know, beat Florida State – Make them look bad. Um, I'm telling you, there's going to lose some recruits for this. They're 0 and 2. You know, I don't know now looking at it. They could lose to anybody. I guess they could beat anybody. I mean, they looked like, is Notre Dame that bad? That's the question. I mean, Notre Dame didn't look good against Toledo. So we're going to find out a whole lot about this Florida State team, you know, at Wake Forest against Louisville and Syracuse the next three games because those are bad football teams. And Wake's not horrible, but Louisville and Syracuse are bad football teams. If they lose two of those three or three of them, I don't know what's going to happen in Tallahassee. Yeah, they can they can easily beat Syracuse and Louisville, and they could beat Wake. I mean, it's, it's a winnable they can game. lose, though. They can right, lose. Definitely, <laughs> I would expect them to lose, but it's a winnable game. I mean, uh, based on just the rosters. But, I mean, Florida State does not have that much talent on their roster. Like, I, I don't know what the, you know, in retrospect, our rankings say in terms of, like, you know, the talent they should have. But they haven't really had great recruiting classes in three or four years. No, it's been down, and, and a lot of that's, you know, because of the coaching changes, you know, Jimbo mailed it in his last year. Um, Willie Taggart didn't recruit as well as expected. Mike Norvell wasn't able to recruit really as a new coach with COVID. Um, so the roster is down, but it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I can tell you this, they've got more four stars than Jacksonville state does. Um, so there's really no excuse whatsoever, you know, to lose this football game. And, it's just it's kind of frustrating a little bit because a good Florida State is good for college football, in my opinion, because um, the ACC can't just be Clemson because Clemson eventually will fall back to earth a little bit. Um, and another team has to step up. And I'm not really sure who that team is going to be with North Carolina losing their opener NC State looking bad against Mississippi State. You know, the teams that have an opportunity to jump in 
uh, haven't. Miami, uh, you know, I, I thought they would lose that game. They barely won it. Um, you know, it, 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 Virginia Tech looks better, but the ACC is still horrible. And that's the other part. It's not like the Florida State's in the SEC. It's not like they're getting killed by a crazy schedule. I mean, this is just – it's its frustrating, I would imagine, for the fans for sure. Uh, is it rock bottom? I don't know. I mean, a 3-9 and nine season could happen, and that's rock bottom. Well, that was a weird bird outside making a weird noise. <laughs> <laughs> Clay Helton out at USC, Mike. We had actually talked about how he probably should be fired. We had to trash that. Now we are updating it. He is fired. Kind of a kind of weird timing. Wait until after week two. Uh, but this was a long time coming, right? Yeah, I think what they wanted to make sure of was that they weren't going to put themselves in a bad position again and have him with a horrible, embarrassing loss and then win six straight and then lose another one. You know, I mean – they were just looking for an excuse. This is a great one. Stanford's not a good football team. They destroyed them at home, um, and it was time for him to go. You know, USC needs to be playing for Pac-12 championships every year and winning them, and he just won one, and, and that's not enough. Yeah, and it's it's been tough because every time you think he's going to go, he he has, you know, reeled off eight or nine wins or whatever, and and – made it too tough, made a decision hard, and they had to keep him. So they they saw the opening. They get rid of him now. And he's, you know, he's a really nice guy, which I'm sure made it even tougher to fire him just because, you know, everybody likes the guy. It's not like, you know, he's Jeremy Pruitt or something. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's your go-to. My my go-to is uh, my go-to is Bo Pelini, Randy Etzel. Right. Yeah. Sim- similar situations. But so uh, – now we have to decide, okay, what are they going to do? We, they made Dante Williams, who's an assistant coach, DB coach, terrific recruiters, bounced around a lot, had success everywhere he's gone. Kind of an odd choice, though, because they had Graham Harrell there on staff, and you kind of thought, oh, maybe they'd, they'd give him the job because he was supposed to be, you know, the offensive mastermind. To me, this means like, you know, hey, Dante, we're going to give you a shot to to coach out the year, but – He's probably not going to be in consideration for the job. They obviously want a big name. Who do you think they're going to go after? Are they going to go after some of these guys that are unemployed right now? Or or do you think they're going after sitting head coaches? I think it's sitting head coaches. Um, you know, Bob Stoops has been mentioned, of course. Urban Meyer has been mentioned. Uh, I've heard some stupid things, some really stupid things. Like Steve Sarkeesian, he's coached two games at Texas. He was a disaster at USC. People are throwing his name out there. Lane Kiffin, they're they're not taking Lane Kiffin back, and he wouldn't go there. So it's got to be a sitting head coach. Like James Franklin is the first one that pops to mind because he was, you know, rumored when Clay Helton was supposed to be fired, what, a couple years ago. Uh, He was rumored to be a leading candidate. Um, Obviously, Luke Fickle comes to mind because of the AD connection there. And and Mario Cristobal comes to mind uh, and Matt Campbell. So I I honestly think it's going to be a sitting head coach um, and they're going to have to wait. Yeah, there were some reports last night that it's Fickle's job to lose, which you could see because of the AD connection. But to me, the guy who would make the most sense is Franklin. I mean, he would fit the best in LA. He would do terrific out there recruiting. We know that. 
I just don't think, I mean, you know, Matt Campbell, man, it's not like he's lit the world on fire from a recruiting standpoint. I was, that's right. a tough place to recruit, but still. Yep. Then uh, Fickle is a nice guy, but I mean, he's kind of no nonsense. He's not a Hollywood type. So uh, I just think, to me personally, I think Stoops would fit in well there. I think he could he could do well there, but I think uh, I think the answer would be Franklin and, and Cristobal could do well there, but I just don't see him taking that job. I think he's wait, waiting out either Miami as a potential place to go or Alabama to succeed Nick Saban. I mean, he's got the thing built at Oregon. Why would he go down to USC? USC is a step down, honestly, and I never thought I'd say that, but from where he's at and and the the support he has, the athletes he has, um, the facilities he has, Oregon is, you know, a much better job right now than USC is. Um, you know, Miami, of course, dream job, played there, would recruit unbelievably in South Florida and in the Southeast, as we've seen um, in Alabama. Yeah, I'm, USC, no, I, he would not take that job. I would be really surprised if he did. You know, Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle, there's a question about recruiting. Okay, can they recruit at a high level? You know, I mean, Matt Matt Campbell hasn't done it, um, and Luke Fickle's a Midwest guy, and and really doesn't have any sort of resume for the West Coast. We know Franklin could do it. He's a tremendous recruiter. I can't see a way he would fail there. I tried to because I wrote the article about you know the five guys and why they wouldn't fail. He succeeded at Vanderbilt. So every time I think there's a reason why he wouldn't succeed at USC, I can't think of one because the, the most impossible place to ever succeed is Vanderbilt. Um, and he's done it. And he's been good at Penn State. I mean, fans complain, but fans complain about everybody. Um, you know, I, I've even seen complaints about Nick Saban from here and there, with, you know, just fans. But he would be very, very successful there, I think. Uh, but they're going to have to back up the Brinks truck um, he's been mentioned for many, many different head coaching jobs at Florida State, if you remember, of course. Um, it's going to take a lot of money to lure him uh, out to the West Coast, I believe. All right. So for setting odds right now, who's your favorite? Who's the favorite, do you think? Who's most? Favorite? I think I think Fickle. You know, whenever you see an AD connection like that, uh, an AD wants to make a a hire that's low risk and he has a high comfort level in making that decision. And he knows what he gets in fickle. Um, and I think that's the guy he's going to go after. Um, and, and Cincinnati's going to do whatever they can to try to keep him, but they can't compete money wise. Uh, so I would say fickle is the odds on favorite. I would put uh, Franklin number two, uh, Campbell three. Um, and then, you know, then you get into the ridiculousness. I mean, Mario Cristobal, I'd be stunned if he went there. Bob Stoops, just because he's the West Coast analyst, is every West Coast analyst on Fox going to be like the new candidate for USC? Um, you know, he retired for a reason. And then, you know, Sarkeesian and Kiffin, and you, you might as well throw John Gruden in the mix because some of those names are just stupid. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I think the AD connection is tough. We saw it with Danny White. Uh, and Josh Heupel going to Tennessee just last year at a big school, almost the same blueprint really here is going from the AAC to a, to a big time uh, program that used to be good. And is now not very good. Now Tennessee's obviously in much worse state than uh, USC. But, well, I mean, they really need urban to have a health issue. <laughs> and then the only way to fix it is West coast Pacific time. Yeah, I, I could, I mean, honestly, 
I don't think Urban is long for the NFL after these stories that are coming out, the way they played, the way he's allegedly acting. But it would be tough, I think, to quit that job and go right back to college. But we've seen that. We saw Nick Saban do it. I mean, it's happened. And and Saban did it, you know, he's, he lasted two years. You know, Spurrier did it, what, he lasted three years. You know, one year, one game, it's hard. Um, I, I don't think, this is what I've heard, I don't think Urban Meyer had as much interest in the USC job as people think he did. You know, they put two and two together, West Coast analysts. He could recruit like crazy there. He would own the conference, blah, blah, blah. I don't think he had as much interest as people think. All right. Well, we'll keep watching that and we'll see what happens. Iowa uh, exposes the fraud that is Iowa State. It took a little <laughs> longer than normal. Well, the way to week two, they win again. This is five straight uh, for Iowa, I think at least five straight, maybe more. It's something I saw a graphic. It's definitely a lot. Of, it's a lot to a little in recent years. And uh, the genius, your favorite coach, Matt Campbell, just in over his head, it seems like. What What is it about Iowa that makes them such a bad matchup? And do we think this is, you know, we see this with Iowa. Every three or four years, they pop up and they have a team that can win 10-plus games. Are, are they a real top five team? You think they can do it? Their offense doesn't look it to me. You know, they're 2-0. This was a big win. Um, you know, it, it keeps them in the top 10 for a while. I love their defense. You know, they've scored um, three defensive touchdowns in the last two weeks. And, you know, they're they're a hard-nosed Kirk Ferentz football team. You know, they have a good offensive line. They can run the ball effectively. They ask their quarterback not to make mistakes, and the defense kind of carries them. Um I don't think they're an elite playoff team, but, you know, this win makes a case for that because people thought Iowa State was an elite playoff contender. Um, they can't open holes for Brees Hall. Brock Purdy's awful. Uh, they're regressing, and they've got more players back on the roster than they ever had before. So no excuse for Iowa State to lose this one. Uh, I know it's a rivalry game, but you and I and many others expected them to lose. This is not a surprise at all. Um, I was just tougher, more physical. And that was, that's what it comes down to. So I really like Iowa's team, but you mentioned, I mean, our, our boy, Spencer Petrus, as they kept saying during the game, yeah. which, you know, that's not how Whatever. I it. Petrus. Be, far be it for me to tell someone how to pronounce their name. Um, I just think he's too much of a deficiency. I do think they can manage a lot of these games and, and if their defense plays really well, they're fine, but if the offense starts turning it over or they, or they play a team with a really good defense, I think they're going to be in trouble. So I really thought that they should – I was adamant they should be top five when the rankings came out. They moved way up just like they should have. They got an impressive resume so far. And they're just going to have to kind of chip away. But I think they can – I personally think they, you know, there's no reason they couldn't be back in the Big Ten championship game and be, yes. have a chance to win the conference and have a great year. Um, Big Ten championship game, yes. I don't think they can. I don't think they can beat Ohio State, even though Ohio State's defense didn't look good. I think they they would have trouble, a lot of trouble with Penn State, uh, Michigan State. I mean, there's a lot of teams in the East. I think that could beat them. Um, they could win the West, absolutely, because Wisconsin's just <clears throat> not the same team that we expected them to be. But you look at the numbers. I mean, their leading rusher had. 55 yards, 2.6 a carry. <laughs> Petrus, Petrus averaged five yards a completion. 
how, how do you win that way? You're relying on your defense so much to, to score points and put you in a position where you're not going to lose the football game. And that's two weeks in a row. It's not going to continue to happen. Um, they need to fix some things. Uh, and, and I'm not sure what, but they've got, you know, Kent State and, and Colorado State before they go to Maryland. And, and they better they better fix it before Maryland because that other Tonga Valoa is looking better than the the overrated lefty. <laughs> better than the worst looking pro- prospect you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, remember, though, it, we should have done it with the Watts. And, we, you know, listen, the, 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 the family clause. Should have, and it was in effect because I stood on the table and said, "This kid's gonna—he's dumpy, he's short, <laughs> and but he's right-handed, and he's got a good arm, and uh, he's gonna be better than Tua." Yeah. We did cite the nepotism. Uh, yes, you know the nepotism policy was put in was put in place after T.J. Watt. When I said, "Hey, should we just make T.J. Watt a four-star because he's T.J. Watt, he's J.J. Watt's brother?" And I was told he's not not as athletic as no. T.J. No, he's only the best defensive player in the NFL, <laughs> not named Aaron Donald. So ever ever since that, speaking of yeah, Aaron Donald, Elliot Donald got the nepotism bump uh, <laughs> right up last year. It's a thing. Listen, don't bet against family genes. I mean, sometimes it doesn't transfer. Like, listen, I don't expect Barry J. Sanders or whatever his name was to be Barry Sanders. I'm not going father to son, but brothers. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, brothers, brothers are hard to pass on. All right, uh, moving on. Kentucky, the they pull out a close win over Mizzou, but they've got a they've got a new offense. They can actually pass the ball. It's it's crazy watching them play and throw it all around and stuff like that. How good are they? They're good. I had them winning nine games this year. I still have them on pace for that. I expected a little bit more from the passing game here. Um, you know, eighteen attempts for for Will Levis is not a lot. Um, you know, he had a touchdown and a pick, but Chris Rodriguez, man, is the running back that nobody knows about, cares about, talks about, and he carried them to victory here. I mean, he had 27 carries, 206 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Wondell Robinson, you know, had 73 yards rushing, 101 yards receiving. You know, Liam Cohen, again, is a guy who will throw the ball, but I think he saw against Missouri they had a matchup issue when it comes to power versus power in that elite Kentucky offensive line uh, in the run game just dominated this football game. So they have to play Florida and Georgia and, and they also play LSU in a, a tough stretch there. I mean, the back half of the season for them, Mississippi state, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, New Mexico state, Louisville, they could easily, yeah. assuming they lose to Georgia on the 16th of October, they could win five straight to end the year and be feeling great. Yeah. And that's, you know, I mean, they got two already in the bag here. So that, that that's seven wins. You assume nine, nine or 10, nine or 10 wins. They're yeah. 10 you assume they're going to beat Tennessee Chattanooga. You assume they're going to beat South Carolina. Um, and they could very well beat LSU. I mean, they're not as talented, but they're a better football team right now. And, and it wouldn't shock me if they beat Florida. I mean, UGA is a tough task, um, but this could be a 10 and two, nine and three football team, which would be kind of cool. Um, you know, when Missouri was winning the SEC East, I thought that was kind of cool. It's just good to see different teams. You know, I'm, I'm tired of the same old teams winning all the time. And, you know, we need another year like 2007, which of course nobody remembers, but old people like me, where things changed every week and it was just a wild, crazy ride. 
Yeah, I think uh, they, they could easily beat Florida. I mean, they won't be favored, but if a few things go right, it, Emory Jones throws a few interceptions. We'll talk about that later. But they can, He won't be the starter by then, will he? <laughs> okay, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> they can easily win that game. So I like Kentucky, and they, they really made the right call. I mean, for Stoops to go out and say, look, we got to fix our offense. This is ridiculous running a single wing every year for – they made the right move. They go get a transfer quarterback. They give up on the Joey Gatewood era. They give yeah. up on Terry Wilson, yeah. say, hey, thanks, thanks, but no thanks. And yep. they hire a real offensive mind, and now they look yeah. great. Eddie Grant was a great offensive coordinator 20 years ago. Right. <laughs> hey, they won a lot of games with them running but this. But not now. Right. Liam Cohen is a McVay prodigy. Kid's smart as a whip. And, and recruits are going to – be a little bit more interested in this Kentucky team because the offense is balanced. Yeah, I like the creative move. All right. Speaking of uh, offensive prodigy, uh, Texas, <laughs> Steve Sarkeesian, they take a big step back. They got hammered by Arkansas, which was crazy because you kind of knew it. Like we, anybody in, the, you know, you, you look, but then you saw the line, you're like, oh man, they're favored by seven. Maybe Vegas knows something. No, Vegas knows nothing. They got destroyed. And now the the blueprint is there. They just ran it right down their throat. I think we're going to see other teams try to do that. Now, of course, they're changing quarterbacks. What a, We're already a mess in Texas right in week three. Yeah, and um, it happened pretty quick. And you you know remember Factor Fiction a month ago with Arkansas. Could Arkansas beat Texas? Of course they could. Um, but in this manner, I mean, where they just – you know, Sam Pittman lined up his guys and he said, we're bigger, stronger, tougher than you. And we're going to blow you off the football all game long. And we're not going to stop. Welcome to the SEC. Horns down. Goodbye. It was a just a brutal beatdown. And there's some talent on that Texas defensive line. But they were on skates all game long. Um, the offense was very ineffective, of course. Hudson Card's being replaced by Casey Thompson. Both of them are mobile quarterbacks. Thompson um, has, I would say, a little bit more experience, but not much. But that's a that's a telling change in game three when you're heading into Rice. You know, you're going to beat Rice, and you're probably going to beat Texas Tech. So if you believe in Hudson Card, you keep him in. You have him have a couple good games against bad teams. He doesn't believe in him, and he's lost faith in him. And, and Casey Thompson's the guy, I think, from here on out. So here's what I don't get. Okay, so you went through all of camp. You went through everything. You decided, hey, Hudson Card's the guy, and then, boom, we're giving up on him six quarters into the season or whatever. And then, I mean, what does that tell you about the quarterback situation? He can't – I mean, it couldn't have been that close. I just don't, I just don't really understand how you, you pull the plug that quick. Yeah, I, I think it's um, – and, again, Steve Sarkeesian is known as a very good offensive coach and a very good offensive mind, and he sees these guys on a daily basis, so he knows a whole lot more than I do. Um, it, it it screams of panic, you know? I Real mean, panic, yeah. like I said, I mean, you're playing Rice. You got Texas Tech. I know they're 2-0, but, you know, they're not that great. You know, let Card work through those two games until you get to TCU and see what happens. Now, if he struggles against Rice or Texas Tech, then you yank him. But after this game, I don't know, man. I mean, I thought it was a pretty clear-cut win for Hudson Card, and not only in the spring 
in the fall, but, you know, just being the guy that Stark believed in, because that's what I heard in the spring, you know, when he first got there, but he doesn't. And so now, you know, Casey Thompson comes in and he's going to be looking over his shoulder. And right. now you've got this Hudson cards demoralized. And it's just, it's too soon to make a, a drastic change like that to me. I really think that they need to go get a transfer quarterback. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't know if the Tate Martell. <laughs> yeah, not Tate Martell. I did see Tate. Oh, listen, he committed to Sark in eighth grade. Right. He was in uniform the other night. Uh, I know. I saw the picture. It was hilarious to me <laughs> when I watched the game. But I mean, something's amiss here. It's like, I just, I just think that it's, like you said, we heard, all we heard was Hudson Card is amazing and Hudson Card this and that. And it's like, and then that's it. We're giving, we're, we give up on him real quick. And Casey Thompson's a talented quarterback who seems like he's been around. He's another one of those guys that just feels like he's been around forever. Um, I'm trying to remember what, what class was he in 17 or something? I think I mean, he was 18. Okay. So I think, but I mean, they took Charles Wright last year as their only quarterback. So they flipped from uh, Iowa state. Right. And he's a nice kid, but I mean, I don't think anyone's expecting anything. They have Malik Murphy coming in who raw. has a ton of raw talent, but he just hasn't really put it together in games. And if he hasn't done that in high school, he's going to need some time in college. So, I yeah. think they're, they got to play the transfer market. Well, and guess who's guess who may not be coming now? I mean, if you lose more games like this, Arch Manning's not going to Texas, period. He's not going to go to a team that's losing. Um, he has too many options. He wants to go there. But, you know, when you're looking at Alabama and Clemson and, you know, LSU's not lighting the world on fire, but you've got opportunities in programs like that, Georgia, you're going to go there. So I don't know what the quarterback solution is. Why don't you maybe instead of changing, maybe try the juggling, you know? I mean, Thompson was in the game. Um, maybe do the Anthony Richardson, Emory Jones thing until somebody actually wins the job outright. But it, the switch itself is a little too soon. It's just going to be an up and down year. I mean, the good thing is for them is they don't have a hard schedule. I mean, this was one of their toughest games of the season. So uh, I do think a couple of these big 12 teams will pick them off, though. But if yeah. they go eight and four, then they go eight and four. I think that's a successful year to, to, for year one. I mean, personally, now Texas fans may disagree with me. but Well, listen, also, I mean, Arkansas is not a power football program. Okay. They're probably the fifth best team in the SEC West. <laughs> so if they lost to them they can lose to kansas state they can lose to oklahoma state they can lose to anybody right so that concerns me a little bit i would be i'm the concern meter is on for me as well because i wasn't sold as sark being uh the slam dunk genius hire either so i would i want him to be though texas needs to be good it's good for college football and there's no excuse for it not to be it's it's a job where i i honestly could go in there and win eight games Okay, Mike's throwing his hat into the ring. How could I not? How could I not? I'm in the Big Twelve. I could I could schedule cupcakes and I can recruit the state of Texas. Well, for you're in the Big Twelve for a couple more years and then you're really screwed. They no, I don't want it when they go to the SEC. Okay. I want it like okay the Big Twelve years and then I'm going to retire with my uh, eight and four final season. Okay, all right. Moving on uh, in the state of the state of Texas, Texas A&M barely survives Colorado a game. 
that they really should have lost. Haynes King goes down with an injury early, and their offense was just terrible. I mean, they didn't get a first down until like um, right before halftime. Uh, luckily for them, Colorado couldn't move the ball at all, and and their their you know Texas A&M's talent went out, especially on the D line. Um, but now, Mike, what do we think? Can they survive? Haynes King's going to be out for a while. They got Zach Calzada in there. He did not look great to me. Uh, he he kind of came on late, but uh, I was never, you know, super sold on him as a big-time guy. Can they survive without him? Because this was supposed to be the year. The problem is they got the team. They have everything but the quarterback, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, the good news for them is, you know, they've got New Mexico. Uh, Arkansas will be a tough game. Uh, Mississippi State is somehow 2-0, but I don't think they're a very good football team. And you don't have Alabama till our, uh, October 9th. But, you know, Zach Calzada is not the answer. This is what we're going to call a waste of a good defense. They're going to probably win, you know, nine games um, and go to a, a mid-level bowl. But this defense is nasty, and it's just unfortunate that the offense is going to continue to put them in positions where they're going to have to bail them out over and over again. I mean, Jaden Peavy was a monster DeMarvin Leal, we all know, is extremely good. Our our our, our guy, Leon O'Neal Jr., is having a great season. Um, they've got a, Damani Richardson. They've got a ton of playmakers on defense. But the offense, uh, with aside from the talent at running back, um, the quarterback play is going to kill them. Yeah, I just – it's it's really hard. I mean it... – you you hate to think that Kellen Mond was that big of a difference, but honestly, if he were on this team, uh, how dare you? <laughs> that face you just made. Kellen Mond made that machine go, and they're going to miss him. He's going to be missed. Yeah, they they they're in a situation too where I don't think either one of these guys is the long term answer. They have a, a borderline five star Connor Wakeman coming in. I think uh, I think he might fix things for them next year and be a guy that plays right away. All right, moving on. Notre Dame, a bit of a QB controversy, Mike. Uh, not a game manager, Jack Cohn. Uh, he, he got pulled relatively early, rotated in and out with Tyler Buckner, which was crazy because all we were told all offseason was that Drew Pine was neck and neck for the job. But when they needed a change of pace, they come with a true freshman, Tyler Buckner. Um, they end up escaping narrowly jack cone popped his finger back in what oh what he's so tough what a hero Hero. Hero. um and he played the bulk of the snaps 62 to 19 was the snap count buckner graded out much better than than cone uh as a passer and a runner in the limited time do you think there's a a qb controversy kind of brewing here I, i i guess so i mean they wanted buckner in the game because he can run and, you know, there was talk in the Florida State game of why not bring Buckner in for some particular packages, especially near the end of the game when they're trying to put it away because he can run. You know, seven carries, 68 yards, you know, three or three very efficient as a passer. Jack Cohn can't run. Um, Drew Pine can't run. So I think, you know, the skill set's important. And I think it was a, a good move by Brian Kelly to sort of see what he needed as a spark in this game and to use Buckner situationally. Uh, I think Cone's still the guy. I don't see a controversy yet, but I will tell you this. If, if Buckner comes off the bench and continues to be successful running and passing the ball uh, and, and Jack Cone continues to struggle, I mean, his QBR was 42.4. It was, it was, it was not pretty. Um, the fans are going to be calling for something. And Drew Pine, 
uh, is already got one eye on that portal. Yeah, and, Drew Pine's gone. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know where he's going to go, but, um, you know, they should honestly have a portal on the sidelines so that you can <laughs> physically watch the player during the game go into it because I think you would see Harrison Bailey for Tennessee would have been in that portal and just disappeared, waving goodbye, almost like Field of Dreams, where he disappears into the corn. And Drew Pine would be in that portal too. So, you know, it's a good problem to have, to have a young quarterback who's talented, but I still think Cone's going to be the guy moving forward. I don't know. I, I got my eye on Buckner. Now, Buckner was awesome in high school. And then... He, yeah, for one year. Well, one right. Year. But then he got with like a... His throw, something happened with his throwing motion and he couldn't yes. throw. And it was like, what is it? What is happening here? At Elite 11 last year, he looked awful. He did the Willie Corn. Remember Willie right. Corn? He had like a new throwing motion, right? Yeah. And it was awful. It's horrible. Hopefully, it, it appears he has fixed it. I mean, they wouldn't yes. Yes. throw him out there. And it, he, he is a true dual threat and he does kind of fit what they're trying to do more. So I would, I'd, I'm going to keep an eye on that. I don't think there's a controversy yet, but I'm keeping an eye on it. Tough now, schedule, though. Look at this. I mean, after Purdue, they got Wisconsin, Cincinnati, and Virginia Tech. And I know you don't believe in Cincinnati, but well, the no, question they, at the beginning of the season is, who's the best team in Ohio? And right now the answer is Cincinnati. So that's a tough schedule right there. I don't believe in – I believe in Notre Dame way less than Cincinnati. I would pick Cincinnati to win that game by 10 points or more. Well, Notre Dame's defense is puzzling as well. Yeah. I mean, so far I'm not overly impressed. Uh, no, I mean they lost a lot. You—that's the thing—is you these teams in Ohio State's an example. When you're having guys drafted, and it doesn't have to be at the top of the drink, it can be a guy like Baron Browning who's been there for four or five years, and he's a third-round pick. You're really going to miss that when you replace him with someone who's unproven or can't play. And a lot of the DBs, I mean, not to get on off-topic, but I mean when I'm watching Ohio State, I'm like, oh, yeah. they have a lot of guys that were ranked as four stars that I was never sold on, you know, that are out there playing. So. Um, I would keep that in mind. Talk about quarterback controversy, Mike. Florida, we are in a full-blown controversy. Anthony Richardson, who somehow is now like a mix of Cam Newton and Tim Tebow, he looks so big on the field. I just don't remember him looking like that as a recruit. He's massive. Um, yeah, I just have been really, I've been really sold on him. The fans have been sold on him. He looks amazing. He kind of tweaked his hamstring on a really long touchdown run. Is that should they should they just go to him now, Mike? What do you think? Depends on how healthy he is. You know, obviously they got a, a little bit of a big game coming up. So I don't think you want to quarterback system against Alabama. And again, that's Dan Mullen. You know, he's always going to get the backup guy reps and and all this stuff. And he's very loyal to um, you know, veterans. And Emory Jones is a veteran of his system more so. But it's so clear to me, it was clear to me last year uh, at the end of the season that Anthony Richardson is just a more explosive, dynamic talent, and he keeps you off balance. And, you know, there's a reason Emory Jones had as many rushes as passes last year because he's not a consistent passer. I mean, you know, uh, people thought Joe Milton changed. He, he didn't. Emory Jones has not changed. Felipe Franks didn't change. These guys who have these issues, um, you know, have high ceilings because of their arm strength. But there's a reason why Emory dropped from a five to a four is because he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn half the time in his senior year. And it just hasn't gotten better. So if you're going to have an inaccurate quarterback, you know, 
Richardson's still raw as a passer, but at least you want a guy who can run and take it to the house and scare the heck out of a defense. If I'm Alabama and I'm Nick Saban and, and Emory Jones comes out there as the starter, I am smiling from ear to ear. Yeah, he really started out looking good in that in that game. Like, I mean, he was really effective the first half. But, like, the first pick he threw, I mean, he just – he looks around. He's got all the time in the world. He doesn't run. Instead, he says, I'm just going to throw – I'm going to, like, float one flat-footed, and he doesn't see the other guy coming over, and he comes and picks it off. I mean, you're not going to be able to make those throws against Alabama or a lot of other teams you're going to face. I mean, Alabama, Georgia – even Kentucky, like I just, you know, I love Emory Jones dating back way back, always been a, a fan of him as a, as a person. And I really thought he would develop into something, but at this point, Florida's got a pretty good team and Richardson really looks like the real deal. I mean, I just, I'm just blown away at how big he is. <laughs> I just don't, I've stood next to him. Yeah, um, uh, we had him listed at six four two thirty in high school, which I guess is what he what he got up to at the end. But if you go back and look at some old pictures we have of him, I mean, he does not he does not look like that. He's awesome though. And you were in San Antonio, I believe, when I was in Florida for the Under Armour game when Emory Jones was there. So yeah. we both saw Emory Jones from a young age. We we were both more impressed with Emory Jones, arguably, than Trevor Lawrence at that quarterback event because of his arm strength and the way he flick of the wrist downfield. You know, you could throw the ball 70 yards without any effort with a flick of the wrist, like a Michael Vick type of release. And and we were very high on him. And then he had a rough senior season and all that stuff. And the, the player I saw at Under Armour that week was not even close to what we expected or had seen his junior year. And I don't know what happens. I don't know why they regress. Uh, you know, Buckner changes motion. Now he's got it back. You know, uh, this guy, you know, Emory Jones sort of lost all his confidence and things like that. But, you know, I was high on him, too. He was supposed to go to Ohio State, remember? Um, it's going to be great there. But now he's not the solution for, for Florida. Florida is going to get trucked either way. I mean, the defense is not going to be able to hang with that Alabama offense. Just not going to happen. And the offense cannot keep that. Alabama defense off balance. Now, if they start Richardson and play him more, they'll have a better chance of staying in the football game, but they're still going to get trucked. It doesn't matter who starts. Yeah. It's just like, I, I get where Dan Mullen's coming from. Emory Jones has waited his turn and he kind of wants to pay that off. I mean, kind of like he did with Trask, but it's just like something's missing. I just can't, you know, like you said, I mean, he's just, he's not playing quick enough. He's not making the quick reads, the quick decisions. And I just, I think the upside that you have to play the talent and this we're talking, look at Washington. Why isn't Sam Heward playing? I mean, come um, on, he's got to be in the game. Your season's lost. You're only two. You lost to Minnesota. I'm starting Sam Heward week three, play the talent. I was ready. Now on this same token, I was ready. I told, I was thinking Oregon should be playing Ty Thompson week two, you know, after watching Anthony Brown week one. Now, obviously I was wrong on that one <laughs> so far at least, <laughs> but you have to, in my opinion, you play the talent. You just, you, you can't sit here and say, Oh, well, you know, Hey, we love Emory. He's been great in the program. He has, he has been great in the program, but unfortunately you have a guy behind him. That's a rare combination of size and speed and athletic ability. And you got to get that on the field. Yeah, and they're 2-0 and with two wins over 20 points. So it's not like they're Washington. 
where they need to desperately make a you know change. Um, Alabama's here though. Like if if they were like, okay, we got Tennessee and Vanderbilt the next couple of weeks, we could figure this out. They can't. Alabama's here. It's time to figure out which one of them gives you the best chance to win that football game or stay in that football game. And it's clearly Anthony Richardson. And, you know, people all laugh. I mean, I, I've one guy, I think PFF had Emory Jones as the top five NFL pick, not quarterback pick. Um, and I, I was just watching his stuff from last year. And I thought there was clearly a reason why he's running all the time. There's, there's clearly a reason. And, and Dan Mullen knows what that reason is. And he was hoping he could fix it this offseason, and he hasn't. Um, so now, if he's not running, he, he's he's ineffective. And then he'll throw a dime like that touchdown pass, and you'll be like, oh, my gosh, this kid's amazingly talented, and then he'll disappoint you. So I think Richardson has a chance to be one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC over the next couple of years. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, uh, we haven't seen him throw it a ton, but – uh, he looks like the real deal. So that's going to be a story to watch this weekend. I think, I think Richardson's going to play a lot more. And I think it may be a situation where if he has a good drive or two, he's staying in the game and Emory's watching, um, which like I said, is a bummer because I, I love Emory, but uh, Richardson's just, I think he's just got too much talent to, to, to keep off the field. So, all right, that wraps up this week's show, Mike. Thanks for hanging out. Mike and I will have our picks, which you can watch on YouTube. How do we do this week, Mike? I don't know. I changed my mind on my picks. So what happens is we make the picks Thursday night or Friday, and then come Saturday I change all my picks and I I, I bet on the wrong teams and lose. So I was one and seven on Saturday, and I don't even know if half of those were the right picks. <laughs> I uh, I didn't do well. I know that we're so. in a picks we're in a picks group, and I went like nineteen and nine in that group. So uh, well, I, my. Yeah, and I'm doing okay in that too, but I have somebody to balance my idiocy, is that a word, you know, in that in that pool. But I'm looking at Alabama didn't cover, I picked them to cover. Georgia covered, I picked UAB to cover. Texas A&M didn't cover, I yeah. picked Texas a Like loss after loss after loss. I know I had USF covering, which is good, but and I had Arkansas, but I, I don't think I did well. I don't. You, you, you got to keep track because what I do is I purge them from my memory. No, I keep track. I just haven't tallied it up yet. It wasn't um, so pretty, I don't think, for me. I'll have that. I'll have the final numbers. I was going through, and at one point, we were both average about midway through the day. So I got it. We got we lost. We got to stop picking these FCS games because I pick the. I have to search for the line, and then it's like, oh, Alabama minus fifty four and a half, and then we get it wrong, and that counts the same as getting wrong the Oregon or getting right the Oregon Ohio State game. Well, so, right, and the same thing with Auburn. You know, like, I don't know anything about Alabama State. Like, their coach could punch me in the face. I wouldn't know who he is. It's like, you see the line of 49, and you're like, eh, Auburn can't cover 49. But 62 to nothing later, you got a loss. And it's like, whatever. Um, somebody just trolled me on Twitter, so I'm going to have to clap Ooh, back. Nice. Uh, Tim Reynolds. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who that is. Uh, he's like an AP sports writer. He's a smart ass from my. Did you see RG three getting bullied? Poor guy. I mean, that was a lame joke, dude. That was bad. That was. It was a lame joke, but don't say you're getting bullied. Oh, he said he was getting bullied. I didn't. Oh see yeah. That. Said I've been bullied all my life. You got to see the tweet. I responded to it. I mean, like I have been verbally assaulted. I've been physically threatened. And this little 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 cupcake comes out here and makes a horrible <laughs> joke. <we> <laughs> horrible joke. Right. 
very and then he bad. gets attacked for it, and he's like, oh, I'm being bullied. The joke was in bad taste, too. It was just lame, not funny. He was bullying, so. Yeah, I've made bad jokes, too. You just got to own it, you know? Right. I don't know, but I love Twitter. Um, I made uh, Old Takes Exposed the other day. Did you see that? I did not see. I have. I think I have Old Takes Exposed muted. Josh Rosen, better pro prospect than Kyler Murray. Oh, really? That was a tweet? Yes, it was. I don't remember that tweet. I don't remember half the stuff I tweet, but some of it's pretty stupid. I'll tell you that much. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fire back here at our boy Tim. I don't know Tim. He said, I said, I retweeted him and said Miami's ranked, and he said the AP has this thing called the College Football Poll since 1936. And I replied and said, thanks. Might be time to find some voters who watch the games. <laughs> yeah, you weren't asking if they were ranked like factually people right. are dumb people are just dumb well no um, he's being a smart ass that's fine miami's not a top 25 team there's no way i'm sorry kentucky's no. kentucky's not ranked but miami's ranked that's ridiculous they should have lost to app state they got destroyed by alabama they're not a good football team but i, I don't know whatever i just the, the people who take things literally like that whole Mackenzie Milton thing last week, it's like, if you're too dumb to understand what I'm trying to say, I shouldn't tweet it. I guess I should just shut up. Yeah. Well, you know, no, you need to talk to Brandon about that because he, he stoked the fire and he should have been smart enough to understand the sarcasm. Who the hell is so, Brandon? Uh, from our UCF site. Oh, Helwig. He don't like me. No, but he's the one that, yeah, he sicked the crowd on you. That's yeah, why. I know he did. I know he's been, he's been. I mean, he's a nice guy. Uh, he's been at Rivals probably as long as me. He, he doesn't like me. <laughs> well, you, no, yeah, he does. Been, there aren't a lot of people who've been at Rivals as long as you that like you. So I don't think there's anybody, <laughs> which is fine. Everybody can just whatever. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's a good way to wrap up. Okay, Mike, uh, thank, thanks for hanging out. Check out our pick show on YouTube, and hopefully I'll have a second episode of the show later in the week uh, with me and some guests. So, all right. <laughs> Bye, Mike. See you. <laughs>